This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylon. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we stage mock war crime uh trials for kicks Come on. while old victims show up to mess up our shitty hotel job while watching spine number 59 in the criterion collection liliana cavani's the night porter from 1974 but first rj is it hot enough out there for you oh, you would say something like that you're so gross <laughs> i wish people could see you right now just glistening in the heat basking. yeah we basking in your heat yeah, we uh, it's pretty hot, man. We got hit with a heat wave, mm-hmm. and uh, it is projected to get up to 40 degrees Celsius for oh, us, which shit. where we live, I mean, sometimes we get hit there, but not always, and it's pretty hot for us Canadians, even even down here in the wheat belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, does, it seems like it's been a while since we've had like this sort of uh, heat beat down. Um, Ooh. So yeah, it's pretty no, odd, but no, it uh, it made for an interesting Canada Day, and mm-hmm. the uh, American brothers to the south, their reverse Canada Day, I, th- I believe is what it's called. Yep, the one they have a couple days later. They didn't want to copy us completely, so they had theirs a couple days later, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes total awesome. sense. What did you do for Canada Day? Anything fun? Um, what have you been up to? Canada Day, I stayed. In the house, and yeah. Then I left in the evening and watched some um, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Hmm. That sounds like a pretty good Canada Day. Yeah, it had. It, I mean, it had sweaty men in it, so I mean, it reflected the room of men watching it. Uh, yeah, so that was cool. Uh, that was their big two night event they did in Long Beach, California. Um, mm-hmm. Their big break into the North American market with the actual performers coming over and doing their own show of their own uh. brand. Um, yeah, so I did that Saturday and Sunday. Uh, as far as, like, actual, like, the nationalistic sort of thing, didn't do shit. Didn't well, do you don't really shit. care, right? I, I don't at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, most people don't, other than it, it's an excuse to do this or that, right? Yeah. I was just curious. I don't know what you do in your spare time anymore. No. We what? hardly talk. <laughs> what you what you doing uh that's what this podcast is for for us to catch up live and on Mm. the record yeah because i if there's one thing i know criterion collection fans are interested in it's how sweaty we are at the at at any (laughs) given moment uh absolutely Uh, how about you how did you spend your canada day uh i went down to the farm down in milk river Mm. With my brother, and yeah. uh, that's that's very similar to the Montana accent. Um, is my farm? It's a farmer accent. Okay. When you when you go to the farm, uh, yeah, we went down to a farm. We uh, hung out with him and his uh, his kids and his puppies and kittens. Uh, we even saw a badger or two out in the field. Slow so down that there. Was interesting. Oh, what are you doing? Me? Yeah. Did that make a bunch of sound? It sure did. I punched the mic. For some, I didn't mean to, but I punched it. Mm. But uh, yeah, we went. We cooked up some dogs, some birds. You wait, and you killed their dogs. No, <laughs> some uh, some cubasa sausages. <laughs> Threw some of them bad boys up there, and uh, we got really sweaty. And then we came home. 
Me and Andrea left at a nice, responsible quarter after nine hmm. because I was tired. Wow. So exciting stuff. Am I Am I right? Very. Yeah. So, but whatever. People don't care about our real lives. No. They're just here for the goods. Yeah, they, they only want to listen to what we've watched and our great thoughts on those things. Mm-hmm. Hey, RJ, yeah. what have you crept on this week? Ooh, baby. I did a pile of creeping for you because I know you, you're on this new kick where you have like a life or something and you don't watch movies anymore. Except for David Lynch uh, TV shows. Yeah, which has been a, uh, a great success. I've uh, enjoyed your visual recap of the world of Twin Peaks and all that. Since we don't have an episode to talk about, yeah, today, I guess I, uh, I'll just mention that. I think you're, you're, you're picking up stuff, man. Other people aren't even thinking about. Laying down. You're doing stuff other people only dream about. How about that? <laughs> like, yeah, like Instagram posts. Inst- Instagram in- posts. Instagramming. Mm-hmm. No, I, it's uh, it's been fun. Uh, you catch a lot of things that I think I definitely missed. So, Well, I mean, a lot of that stuff is stuff that I didn't think about the first time I ever watched it. But now that it's been years removed and I've watched all of his stuff and uh, watching the new season and watching the old stuff. And you're like, uh, it's, I don't know. It just strikes me as like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't see that coming or just mm-hmm. randomness, things that I don't think even they expected to follow up on. Yeah, it's kind of like us. All these things come full circle that mm-hmm. we might not even be expect- planning to do, but, you know, they come back. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. when, uh, when some of our uh, crazier listeners listen to episodes multiple times, uh, to really, uh, I don't know, out of, for kicks, maybe they'll be able to mm-hmm. observe things that we are not even aware of what we're doing. <laughs> Nobody's going to do that. No, nobody. That. <laughs> nobody will ever listen to it. Have you ever, listened, we- have you ever listened to a podcast more than once? Nope, I'm not an insane person like you. Yeah. But I know you've done it a few times. I have. But uh, back to the task at hand here, Mm. Jer. Yeah. Uh, I did some creeping this week. So I took a a drive down memory lane, and uh, I watched me some Planet of the Apes movies. Mm. Yeah, you did. Oh, I did. I went from uh, the first of the franchise, like the first series, one to five, and then... Uh, because you forced my hand, uh, you made me. I didn't want to. I've seen this movie so many times, and I didn't want to watch it again. But you made me watch that Tim Burton one. Made so I'll you. get to that. You did. You pressured me into it. You bullied me into it. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'll send a, a picture of the message later. It'll. I think it just said watch that movie, <laughs> and I took I took it as a violent threat. <laughs> but yeah, so I watched uh, Planet of the Apes. Beneath the Planet of the Apes, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, and Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. The first five, man. And so these are like, I've talked about it before, mostly like for westerns, like uh, grandpa movies that uh, I wa- I've seen a lot of it when I was at my grandpa's house. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're always on in the background because grandpas and dads love these Planet of the Apes. They like to they like to pass out on the couch uh, in the middle mm-hmm. of a Saturday Sunday afternoon while children are around and they're left unsupervised. And it's like ah, leave the TV on, and yeah. uh, when they're look, exactly. searching around TV, they go ah, oh, it's that Charlton Heston ape movie. Yeah, that's a good one, mm-hmm. kids. And then you just like watch it like halfway through, and you go, this mm-hmm. is really boring. <laughs> Why are they just wandering around in the desert? Where are the apes? Yep. Where the fuck are the monkeys? No. 
yeah, that's uh, I remember thinking that as a little kid. But um, mm-hmm. then the parents are always like, just wait, it'll it'll blow your mind. And you're like, what? Pfft, whatever. <laughs> so so yeah, I'd, I'd seen all these, but I was like, you know, it's been a really long time. And there's that new one coming out in a couple weeks, and it's getting some good buzz. Mm. So I was like, maybe I'll watch these bad boys. So uh, I watched the first one, and I think that is a bona fide classic in sci- science fiction. It's hard to beat, man. It's very good. Mm-hmm. I even watched uh, like an hour and a half of this movie with you. You did, and then you bailed because you're like, I hate you. And yeah. you're sweaty and you smell bad. Yeah. And then you left. Oh, I had to go to work, but all those things you just said were also true. Also true. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, like I don't, I'm not going to talk about these that much because. But why? Well, I don't want to be an asshole. Talk, I, don't know. I don't have any, I don't think I have any great insight that someone else hasn't said in the last like 50 years. Well, <laughs> you're, you're on a film podcast. That's the whole point. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Well, I don't know. The first one's super wicked. It's great science fiction. Mm. It's done right. It looks good. Uh, great the editing story is great. Yeah, it's edited the, great. The, the shots, the use of the the, the camera mm. work and stuff like mm-hmm. that, the way it's all staged out. Uh, it seems uh, even a little ahead of its time. Like I think movies had this sort of yeah. vibe more so in the seventies, but I think when Planet of the Apes landed, uh, I mean for like a, a what you could essentially essentially would call like a B like movie from like a major studio. It's sort of this like goofy thing, and it's like mm-hmm. but it's like handled with like a lot of like. Um, mature flair way more than you would expect right uh, sometimes under pine like underlined there's like ugh, some of the the clunker dialogue that's like that is mm-hmm. really on the nose that's like got a charm to it because you're watching a movie that like involve men in ape suits yeah <laughs> so it's like fine but at the same time it's like yeah that some of those bits like now would never make it to the script but movies wouldn't like this wouldn't be made this well anymore Mm -hmm. they'd be very glossy and samey and uh not like talked about at all yeah exactly but yeah like that stuff doesn't bother me at all like some of the some of the ham dialogue where it's like Mm -hmm. maybe we're the real monsters after all yeah there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of that stuff like that yeah holding a mirror up to society (laughs) Mm mm-hmm but uh, yeah, that never bothered me, and no. uh, I actually think the uh, all the apes look really good. Like throughout this whole franchise, or like the whole series, the old ones, I thought they always looked wicked. They got better so, though too. Like actually, yeah. I, I found that they kind of, I think beneath they took a, they were a little sloppier. But then like by like the latter ones, like when they had to really rely on like Roddy McDowell acting, yep. they like the the and they had less, particularly in the third movie where they only had yep. two suits. They don't have to worry about. Uh, that many gorillas or three yeah. three suits yeah he they're uh they have a little bit more expression more uh the, the mouths work a little bit better yeah and uh he, he you know he can do things with his eyes and his eyebrows they're they're more expressive so that's good yeah but yeah the first one's a smash hit man uh I'm, i'll be the first to say that i think this movie's gonna break some waves you know mm-hmm. it's gonna get out there no yeah uh first one's wicked i like big charleston in it even though he's kind of a weird dude he is a dick in that movie, like a real a, weirdo dick. He's a real prick. He's a real prick. But uh, yeah, I like him. And then, so uh, I guess I was going to say one thing I noticed in like all of these is that I I actually really like this franchise a mm-hmm. lot. <laughs> yeah. A lot. They're, they're like really good. They're like pretty well. Like as far as these franchises go, like for, I guess like, I mean, I, so I also watch these movies. Uh, yeah. 
my uh, buddies, uh, Lawrence and Corey, they just like watched these uh, over the last couple months on Saturdays when I wasn't around lately. Um, and they watched them. And uh, I think their responses to them reflect our own. Mm-hmm. Where like one's kind of like pretty well top of the pile, maybe. And then yep. the second one is definitely one of the weaker installments. Um, yep. But they rebound. They rebound. Yeah, okay. I guess I'll I'll save my talk on the franchise as a whole. Mm-hmm. So next we had Beneath, and this is like almost a clone. It has a proto Charleston Heston drop onto the world mm-hmm. like a week new. after. Well, yeah, new or uh, new. He's new, new. Uh, Charlton Heston. Neo, Charlton Heston. Yeah, yeah. and it's funny because they got a guy who looks just like him. But it works in the script because the apes are like, oh, you humans all look alike. He's a little bit more like conventional, like Hollywood attractive too. Because Charlton Heston is like a weird guy. Like I was like trying to figure out why he sounds the way he does. And I realized it's because he doesn't move like the top of his teeth when he talks. He talks like this. And and it completely changes the sound of his voice when he talks through the top of his teeth. And like it's like he's constantly gritting. It's yep. like so peculiar. I'm like, yeah, that's like the Charlton Heston thing. I wonder where he learned that or if he's got mm-hmm. like dentures because like the top of his mouth was like destroyed by, I don't know, catching a bullet or something with his teeth. Yeah. But yeah, maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's because he got into a lot of bar fights because mm. I, I assume he was an old drunk. Yeah. Who knows? Safe but yeah, bet. so beneath it's the uh, plays out a lot like the first one and then it gets for the first fucking, half. Yeah. For the first half. And then it goes batshit crazy. It's got like boo, uh, boo. I hate that saying. <laughs> what? Batshit crazy. Crazy. Well, Remind, it reminds me of other uh, podcasts that have been. Uh, me say. personally, hmm. is batshit crazy. Well, okay, it gets wacky and weird. How's that? It's it's wild. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it does. It gets weird. Uh, you get some mongoloid chuds living underground. I was that, yeah, psychic mutants. Uh, psychic mutants. They're well, they're technically that, that chuds, worship an atom bomb. Yeah, they worship a bomb, and they can do stuff with their mind. And then the Doctor Zaius infiltrates, and there's a a big clamat clamato showdown. Yeah, I said clamato. Yeah, a big showdown, and uh, it's pretty weird and it's wacky. The ending's and, great. That's like the best yeah. part. And then the, yeah. and the the voiceover, mm. yeah, <laughs> that's okay. So that's the other thing too. Is these movies all have like sweet endings. Oh yeah, yeah. They they're all like I, well, real, I real I stingers. I haven't seen five yet. <gasps> I, uh, ever? Never. I don't think I've ever seen Battle. Um, so I'm not sure if that one's got a sweet sweet ending like these other four. But uh, that's the one thing I was like so surprised by watching these movies is like how good and truthful yeah. the endings kind of feel like. It's so strange, like, these cynical endings are seem like they're very logically arrived mm-hmm. at. Um, and like, Yeah, no, yeah. They're, they're great like that. They all have, they always have stingers. So that was, like, beneath, it's probably one of the weaker ones. Absolutely, uh, yeah. J- mostly just because it's kind of the same stuff. But even so, the way it ends, you're like, all right, like, it's pretty cool. And then you get Escape, where... Uh, from the ending of this, the second one, where spoiler, I guess they nuke the planet. Uh, in Escape, in the third movie, uh, two of the apes go back in time to Earth, like they avoid the nuke and they go back in time, and then they're just hanging out with like 1970s dudes. Uh, I thought this one was fucking awesome. It was really fun. Well, it's and like know- uh, it's like Star Trek Four. Mm-hmm. And I, I know you hate that term too, fun, but it was. They're like, 
they're like socializing with people and it's like that montage of them like shopping and like going to like wrestling or boxing matches mm-hmm. and you're just like you're like look at these fish out of water yeah. so much fun but, but cornelius is like face while he's watching the, the the boxing is like quite horrified he's just like what the hell are they doing well, he said he says something. He's like barbaric, yeah, or like animalistic. And you're like, oh, aren't we the we're the real monsters after all? <laughs> so it's stuff like that. But uh, this one I thought was pretty good. Like, uh, it kind of, this is where it starts to. Well, I guess the whole franchise they kind of always bring up these like these moral questions and like ambi- these things that are like, should you do these things if you if you know like what's gonna happen or like what would you do to save things? I don't know. I explained that real poorly, but I'm tired, so I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) But so like this one has a crazy fucking ending and it's super sad and it came out of nowhere and I was just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what the fuck? It blew my mind. (laughs) What did you think about the ending to the third? You mean, uh, spoilers for this, uh, 40 odd year old movie uh you mean like them getting gunned down <laughs> yeah especially when uh the baby falls oh, yeah. and the guy goes and puts like eight rounds into the baby Lights and you're just like like that that innocent chimpanzee <laughs> and you're like what the fuck and then she throws it in the river you're like what the fuck but then ricardo montalban saves the day mm-hmm. so uh you know i thought this one was pretty good too mm-hmm. um i liked it it's got uh it's cool um, and then we go to what I think is probably the best of them. I think it's on par with the original. It's Conquest, the Planet of the Apes baby, mm-hmm. number four. Yeah. And th- this one I think is so fucking good. It's like it's in a semi near future where they're trying to like uh, – what's the right word? Like not colonialize the Domesticate. apes but like – domesticate yeah so they're like training them to be like servants and like pets and like do their things for them and like so the whole movie is the humans basically like being really shitty to all the apes and like trying to like train them to do stuff and then at the end of the movie the apes are like fuck this shit and they blow up and it's fucking awesome i thought this one was wicked good yeah so uh, yeah i thought this movie uh was also like pretty awesome just because i Mm -hmm. mean i love exploitation movies and this movie had that vibe but it's also kind of like this science fiction movie shot with like handheld cameras and there's lots of like kind of footage of just like people just walking around and they happen to have their like uh uh ape companions that just like walk around behind them wearing like the little suits that they have to designate that they're owned by so-and-so um but it's like kind of a weird thing with the as the movie's kind of gone on because you start realizing that the costumes aren't meant to like the costumes aren't meant to look the way they do. It's just like a reality of like this is the best we could make the ape suits look. And so they they're like kind of these like weird like human man hybrids. But then mm-hmm. like in this movie they kind of go, Oh no, they're supposed to actually look like apes. Like yeah. like it's but it's like I think there's like a explain away line saying that, oh, they got bigger. But I uh, think in twenty years, it's like so. Like if you if you think about like the like p- uh, evolutionary progression of these like apes in th- in the scope of twenty years, mm-hmm. or it's like okay, that's like uh, that's quite the jump <laughs> from from being okay. like a full on chimp to being like walking around like you look like a man wearing a, a chimp suit. 
So I have two things to say. Yeah. One, if you're gonna get hung up on that, no, no, don't I'm, watch I'm just, movies I'm, about I'm, apes, I, anyways. I, I, no, no, I'm just saying that like that's like I, it's, I know it's, it's I get the it. first because the, the first movies they don't have any like real apes, right? They're just guys no. in suits. suits, and that's and that's yeah. awesome. They look wicked. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love them like in Beneath the Planet of the Apes when he's walking around in the sauna, Doctor Zayas and Holy, his other buddy, and yeah. they're just wearing like bad uh, Bigfoot costumes. Love mm-hmm. it. I, I dug it. But it's like when they start introducing the fact that there's like real gorillas and still and real chimps and they're just like looking face to face and they're supposed to like theoretically look the same even though they're also guys in costumes yeah <laughs> like they're not like oh, they're yeah. like something out of um uh oh trading places <laughs> oh yeah yeah exactly no yeah i i get that too um i think it's actually so like when you brought up like the evolutionary gap there in that 20 years i think that's one thing that like the new movies did kind of they address well where like in, in that in the James Franco one where it's kind of like because of this this thing that Injection, makes them smarter yeah. it's like it's like progressing their development and stuff like that right. so I kind of like I filled that gap in here and that's one thing I noticed too is conquest is a lot like uh rise of the planet yeah. of the apes so that one's like a remake of conquest well they even then, renamed the because in the first in escape from the planet of the apes he's milo and come the fourth movie he's uh caesar, caesar for some reason yeah i didn't i didn't get that but uh like i didn't get why they made that switch because i thought it was like it's obviously the same character they even yeah. mentioned that but like he changes his name and then i was like all right well maybe ricardo montalbaum was like I'm, i will, I will name you caesar because mm. it's sexier or maybe something. M- milo Milo. But yeah, so like Conquest, like Rise of the Planet Apes is basically a remake of Conquest. And then yeah. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is like for sure a remake of uh, Battle. Bad, Battle of the Planet of the Apes. Because so the, that one, the fifth one, is uh, you got Mongoloid mutants, like humans underground, or okay. like they're living away. And then you have all the apes like trying to have a society up top. But then there's like conflict within the apes up top and they even have like it's been a while since i've seen dawn like the newest one but uh isn't there like i'm pretty sure there's a scene where like one of the apes kills caesar's son and then blames it on a human and that they like that's in battle yeah. of the planet of the Eight, or in the last one too pretty sure that's right and then there's like there's an army fight at the end so i was watching it and i was like man this thing is like a literal remake of uh or like of that one so right uh, that was the other thing I was gonna say. Like when I watched this whole this series as a whole, like those first five, I thought the uh, the new ones did a really good job of like incorporate incorporating like elements of a, a couple of them, and like they used mostly the last two because that's kind of where because um, they went back, right? Like they're trying to show how it happened, and that's what the last two movies of the the main series do. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really good, and then. Uh, the other thing I was going to say for like the franchise as a whole or this first one to five series is it, it seemed like watching it, all, watching them all in a week, there's a really nice flow, like yeah. progression between all of them, like where the stories go in each one. It feels really natural. And it's like it, it's like, oh, well, they because they actually came out like pretty recent or like fairly recently yeah. after the last one like a yeah. year or two right yeah and it seems like they actually like tried to make it all connected and not just like dumping out uh like a sequel and then another sequel so i um my point i guess is i thought the series did a really good job of like 
just trying like making good movies that were also sequels yeah. and then like connecting them all together. So that's um rewatching them now as like an adult. I was I was really impressed. I was like, man, these movies are fucking good. Like yeah. they did a good job with them. I like I liked all of them. Even like uh Beneath and Battle, which are like the probably on the lower end of them they're they're, mm. they're still good they're still yeah. watchable i, I was, like them. i would compare them like, like watching this like i can't help but think of star trek the original series and how like uh the worst episodes are just kind of like average episodes of star trek which is still fine like it all depends on your mileage i guess how you feel about star trek and like that yep. sort of like own borderline camp quality that these movies have um yeah but like, i mean like i think like conquest of the planet of the apes that movie is like that movie is dark and violent <laughs> like oh there, yeah there is like uh some sweet full body burns there's this monkeys getting mm-hmm. shot in the face uh people just getting like hatcheted to death the fucking mm-hmm. end of that movie is just amazing roddy mcdowell at his like mm-hmm. prime uh fucking just calling for revolution men being uh, mashed to death with butts of guns with oh, hordes yeah. of uh, apes just uh, rampaging, mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome. And then yeah. um, the other thing I want to mention too is the um, with escape and conquest. It's kind of like they're the human villains, I guess, of the stories. Yep. They're kind of like ridiculous to a certain degree, but at the same time, it turns out uh, the most ridiculous villain in conquest of the planet of the apes, the uh, the governor. Oh yeah, uh, he's just like he's so like repulsive and evil, but he's completely right. Oh yeah, <laughs> like because he's like, no, we have to get rid of them. This is going to happen, and he's just like, because he. But you're like, oh, this guy's so gross. This guy's such a bad person, yeah. but at the same time, he's completely right. Uh, well, everything he, he's, he's kind of like, saying, yeah, he, he's like these talking fucking apes came in a spaceship. And they literally told us that they are going to take over the world. Yeah. It's like, and nobody wants to do anything about this. But, it's but, like, are but, you but, but it's so funny though that like even with that knowledge, the entire like yeah. impetus of this is that like people were lonely because they're all their cats and dogs died. Yeah. And so they're like, well, I guess we'll have to get uh, fucking apes, I guess, and train them mm-hmm. to be our, like. It's so funny that like it's the hubris, I guess, but it's like ridiculous hubris. It's like, like are you, RJ, if you're like cats all like upped and died and my cat i don't know if we'd be rushing out to get a fucking primate to live with us because we were like what? i really need i really need a companion even though hey we've seen talking ones that like we've heard are going to lead to the end of our race mm-hmm. <laughs> like wouldn't you be I, like hmm, maybe we'll just leave well enough alone and leave him to the jungle i think uh, I, I know <laughs> i know i know why you say that and it is funny but honestly when i was watching it i, I found it totally believable like there's some cheesy line where it's like People just couldn't resist. It's like they like having pets, and I was like, "It's like I get it, man." Uh, there's the even one... though it's ridiculous. <laughs> it, uh, it's like I get it. There's the line that uh, Corey Lawrence and I uh, we throw out often. Is like, "This is exactly what we're afraid would happen." Some of those lines, it's just like of characters yeah. saying that in stories, where it's like, "Well, this is exactly what we didn't want to have happen." It's like, "Yep," because if you do, if you went away yep. from that you wouldn't have a movie but these exactly. characters have to like charge on ahead and i love that the um they have the african-american liberal guy who's like defending their actions yeah. it's like he's totally wrong and he he's fucked like they're all ruined and it's like his and it's like mm-hmm. the it's the liberals fault because these he, movies he have has... this like kind of this weird like i wouldn't call it like it's like not even like a conservative reactionary streak to them. I think it's more of like it. These movies are fundamentally like fairly nihilistic. Like they oh, really because yeah. the endings are so like dark. Like oh, yeah. in, in sort of an earned way. Like uh, this is maybe uh, treading old water, but like the I've, I've always felt with like the movie The Mist. That movie's ending is mm-hmm. very unearned in a way that like it's frustrating. Whereas these movies have like great endings that feel like fuck. Like that's a really mm-hmm. powerful ending and like grim and stuff like that. And um. Yeah, they don't feel 
weirdly like uh, kind of uh, for, the, the cynicism's forced and like kind of like yep. isn't that crazy that we did that like this feels like mm-hmm. whoa because like each movie they knew that the setup for each Planet of the Apes movie of this original uh, cycle uh, is that they have to have like a twist ending and like again I'm not sure I don't know if that's the case with bat for Battle for the Planet of the Apes um, I, I suspect it is but uh I guess I'll see maybe later this week when I get around to watching it. I didn't rush out of my way to watch it because it seems like that movie's like the weakest of the five. And yeah, I definitely. had I had uh, season two of Twin Peaks to wrap up. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, you'll you'll get to it. And it's like it's kind of like we were saying before. It's more the same. So even like the weakest of a good franchise is still watchable. Mm-hmm. So I, I that's how I kind of see it. Like it's not bad or anything like that. Um, I actually kind of like dug a, a few of the things they were doing and I was like, yeah, I like this. But at the same time, uh, there are certain things that come up and you're just like, ah, whatever. But uh, no, yeah, I was going to say too with Conquest, like the ending in that one is so, so good. It's so well placed. Yeah. And it's, and it is like what you said, like grim and dark and you're just like, holy fuck. But I feel like the whole movie does such a good job setting it up. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason I like this one so much, like almost as much as the first one. Like I, I think I see, I have them on par, but the way that movie opens is so good where they're just like hurtling out apes in like lines yep. and they're like walking down staircases yes. and like getting shuffled into areas and yeah. there's like there's no explanation you're just watching it you're like what the fuck is going well, on when that was happening i was just i was like so excited i was like chanel come here look at them yeah. look at this they don't make movies like this at all anymore and then no. uh and then like she was like in the kitchen doing something and then like it was the uh torture scene the like when they're like electrocuting oh, electric, when they're conditioning yeah, when they're, them when they're, when they're torturing roddy mcdowell oh, okay. to make him talk yeah. and just like his screams are so horrifying like it oh, just yeah, yeah like that whole stuff is like he, so good and he does like a bridge or something andrea yeah. walked by and she's like holy fuck that guy's bridging hard she's like he's must be really fucking limber he's got some he has, he's got gl- the glutes yeah. on him the glutes but yeah, I, I love, love Conquest, man. Even uh, when they were showing all that conditioning stuff, it's because like I've mentioned before, I like when I was doing animal behavior, I was doing like conditioning. And so this movie is like my dream where all the animals just revolt and they like take over and kill everyone. Because that's all I ever thought about every day. I was like, <laughs> I was just looking at the rat holding them. I was like, when are you going to do it? Just end things. Mm-hmm. And end it. So yeah. So that first, as you put it, cycle super fucking good. These Poda movies are wicked good. But you know then, what's but not then. good? <laughs> yeah, fucking Tim Burton's bullshit movie from two thousand one. So it's not. It's not that bad. I remember I watched it when I was eleven. <laughs> it's it's not good though. It's like it's it's a okay. It's bad. Okay, it's bad. Um, I watched it a lot. I watched it when I was 11, and when I was an 11-year-old kid, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, fucking Michael Clark Duncan is Mark a gorilla. And you're just like, yeah, this movie rules. And then yeah. I'd seen it a lot, and I wasn't going to watch it. And I, I kind of watched it right now. Like, there were some ridiculous things, and I was like, ugh. So I would, like, go do something else, and then I would come back, and it was still playing, and I was like, ugh. So I tried to avoid it, but it's like there's no consistency in the movie at all. Uh, like the characters do things and then like they don't do things and it's he like tries to like relate it back to the original but it's dumb and then uh, fucking what's his name Tim Roth is so goofy as the fucking bad ape he's always like like sniffing at people and like growling at them and it's like why are you doing that like that doesn't make any sense he he watched some uh, some ape tapes oh 
I've seen eight tapes, buddy. Trust me. I've done a lot of primatology classes. I know what's up. I just don't understand, like, why he was doing it to, like, every single person all the time. He was always, like, like right near their face. Like, like I don't know. It's dumb. That's mm-hmm. a bad movie. Uh, but, I know but, you love but, but, the ending. Abraham Lincoln is uh, Ab- is amongst my favorite things I've seen in a theater because I used to, like remember laughing so hard, and I was like mm-hmm. this like smarmy eighteen year old kid, and I was like watching him like so what's the movie's twist going to be? And then I saw Abraham Lincoln, and I went Abraham Lincoln, and I that's all I remember. So I give that movie thumbs up based on my memory. <laughs> I'm never going to yeah. fucking watch it again, but. Uh, Oh, no. I, I, I can't recommend it to anyone. And it's the thing, too, is, like, the makeup's actually pretty good. I think Oh, Rick yeah. Did it. yeah. The, ma- the makeup is good, and, like, they kind of do the thing, like, in battle, they started to try to differentiate, where it's, like, this is a chimp, this is a gorilla, right? and then those are orangutans. So, like, they tried to do, or th- in this one, they do it, and it's it, it looks good. It's just it's not a good movie. Mm. So, man, fuck that movie. Okay. And I, I tried to get the new ones in for you, but it didn't happen. So I'll, I'll do funny. it when the third one comes out. Which is But right I did away. watch. Yeah, uh, next Friday. There you go. I did watch one other thing, though. <gasps> should I talk about it or should we see? Go save? for it. So last night I went to the theater and I watched this movie called It Comes at Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a horror movie. That's right. I went to a horror movie by uh, this dude. Uh, what's his name? Trey Edward Schultz. Mm-hmm. And he did a movie called Krisha or Krisha. Yes. Something like that, which yep. is supposed to be very good. So it comes at night. Uh, I, I remember I saw like a teaser for it a while ago and I was like, Ooh, that looks pretty good. It's got uh, Joel Edgerton in it. Um, and it's basically like, it's like a just dis- it's end of the world type of movie where there's like a sickness out there and it's just like a family living in an old farmhouse and they're trying to keep people out. And like that's that's all the premises. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was really good. It is a uh, a nice slow burn. Um, I've used that term a few times lately, but <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just nice and it's patient. It takes its time building up to stuff. There's no like there's no like jump at jump in your face type of bullshit or anything like that. It's just it takes time. It tells you a story. Uh, and then maybe you find out at the end that maybe we're the real monsters after all. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, no, I, I I know you haven't seen this, so I don't really. There's actually there's not like too much to say about it. Um, I really liked it. It looks great. Uh, I thought the dialogue was all really good. Um, characters did things that actually kind of made sense, which I, I thought was really nice. Like you know how sometimes you watch a horror movie and it's like, why would you do that? It's like, I know that I, well, I know why, because it's a movie and you have to do that for the movie to happen. But it's like, I don't know if a real person would do that. Right. And then in this movie, it seems like the decisions that the characters make are the actual logical ones. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I would do that too, probably. So it's good. I liked it. But uh, they do have a cardinal sin in this movie. Uh, One that your buddy, Mr. Michael Bay would never do. So if an astute fan who maybe is re-listening to old episodes, you'll go to Armageddon and you'll you'll learn what Michael Bay knows never to do in a movie. Hmm. Well, I'm pretty sure that since you gave this movie four stars, I know what one of those things wouldn't be. Um, well, it's a four star, but uh, they do they do uh, they do do a no no. Uh oh. A, a personal RJ no no. So, something that's on a movie poster, perhaps. <laughs> 
Possibly, possibly. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a good movie. And, uh, like, it's not, I don't know, it's it's not done, like, in a way that, I'm, I'm skirting around it, so if people don't know what I'm talking about, yeah. I'm sorry. But uh, it's not done in, like, a gross way, like I think it usually is in these kinds of movies, and the reason I hate it, like, it's kind, it's not tasteful, but <laughs> it's, I don't know, forgiving? it's like so like they they know that they're doing it and it's like sorry this kind of has to happen here but like whereas in other movies where okay they kill they kill the dog (laughs) okay i i can't skirt around anymore they kill the dog and that's a huge no-no hey but you know what so michael bay says hey filmmakers never kill the dog in your movie Exactly. And, and guess and, what? This movie has shit the bed in the box office. Nobody likes it. It's only got like a 22% or something from Metacritic. Uh-huh. Yeah, people, really? people, yeah, this movie, like, uh, I think even like on tribute.ca, I saw it has like two stars. Like, it's like really okay. ranked low. Um, the, the, the feeling I've gotten from, it's like been mixed reviews on Letterboxd, and I've seen a lot of people say that they've been in theaters sitting there, and at the end of the movie, leaving the theater, like the people are like mad leaving well, this theater. So uh, I, I can speak to that a little bit. When we left, uh, uh, one of my friends was like, he's like, I feel like it never really amounted to anything. Mm-hmm. Like they build up this tension, and then there's no kind of big payout, right. which is true. But at the same time, like I felt like what they did in – uh in spite of that like what they what they chose to do i still thought worked really well and i think it kind of plays up to the uh the slow pace of the movie like what they what the movie is about like what eventually happens i feel like it all kind of makes sense for the movie as a whole so like i i did feel like that too like you think something big is going to happen and it doesn't really right but i think it works for the movie but i find that really surprising that it's that low because i thought it was that it it was very like yeah yeah i I think you would like it. I don't think you you might give it like a three or three well, and a half, yeah, but yeah. I I do think you would like it. Looks good. Um, yeah, I don't know, but yeah, they uh they killed the dog. Maybe that's why people hate it. Hmm. Yep. Good. Listen to Michael Bay, kids. Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, just, how just, many? But no one how, watched Transformers five, seven, ten. Yeah, but let's bring this either. back to focus here. How many Criterion movies does this? It comes at night. Director have. None. Zero. How many Criterion movies does Michael Bay have? Two. Two. So there you fucking go. Solid advice from the Bay man. There you go. He knows so, he's, uh, he's going places, I think. He's going. Yeah, I think he might be doing some stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was my huge creep for the week. And I wow. guess it's kind of a shared creep because you had watched a lot of those eight movies, too. Yep. And I've already kind of mentioned what I thought of them. Uh, yep. I dig them. I love the apes. Uh, They're total dad. They're dad cinema. Oh yeah. Uh, for me, like I mentioned maybe already on here, I've just continued watching Twin Peaks season two. Uh, that's mm-hmm. 22 episodes. It's a lot of episodes. Uh, and there's like a real, like there's almost like three chapters to how chapter or how season two plays out. Cause the first, mm-hmm. uh, nine episodes are kind of like the rest of the, like who killed Laura Palmer story. And it pays off yep. with um, the death of Leland Palmer. Um, and then after he dies, there's like the next chapter, which is like where the show didn't know what to do for like the rest of its season. And so there's about like 
six episodes, seven episodes of them like trying to figure out what's what, like where they're going. And so there's a lot right. of filler and like finding things to do with the various actors and characters that they've got. Oh, and right. it really hits a low point with, I think it's like episode 20 or something like that. It's like, it's pretty tough. It, it's hard to like even bother watching it. Like, cause it's 46 minutes of like nothing important is happening. Yeah. I was going to say, is that the, uh, the pine weasel debacle? That's even after the pine. Pine weasels after oh, that. Oh fuck! Really? So like, yeah, pine weasels. Like at least there's like other stuff happening when they introduced mm-hmm. the pine weasel. Um, but no, because that's like still like because that that the high tide. I think I posted an image of it, and I think I refer to it on Instagram as the nadir of like Twin Peaks season two. Because yeah. it's like you had like you had Josie in her maid costume. Uh, you yep. had um, you had uh, Horn uh, Richard Horn in his uh, Confederacy outfit. Um, I gotta find it because it's uh, I can't even. Oh yeah, there's also like the little Nikki thing. Well, where uh, Dick and uh, Andy are both uh, like trying to like compete for um, what's her name? Oh for, like, right, because like, she's pregnant, and so like they're like, oh, yeah. let's just take this like orphan child, and like bad things happen around the orphan child. And there's this bit where like Andy's like staring off into space, imagining little Nikki as a little devil in like a projected yeah. little thing. It's just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, what show am I watching? There's like the mm-hmm. shit with James on his fucking motorcycle, <sighs> and what's awesome with him is he just vanishes. He just finally leaves in the last few episodes, and it's yeah. it's, it's just a sigh of relief because he's like pretty bad. <sighs> and then there's also yeah. um, um, the, uh, the 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 waitress who owns the diner. Her like mother's like her mother's the food critic, and she's <laughs> married to the guy oh, who, yeah. who's like. Uh, He's, he's like a degenerate gambler who's hiding his like uh, the fact that he was in prison and knows yeah. Hank uh, and mm-hmm. all the stuff with him. Is he just is like what is who is this guy that they've just introduced into the show? Like you didn't need him. And then on top of that, you also have Nadine and her amnesia story where she thinks she's in high school. Oh right, and she's got yeah. super strength, and she's like really like into boning with Mike, and she joins the wrestling team, and like mm-hmm. that's all like one. There's like one episode where that's like all happening, and then like in the background, it's like oh, and then like uh, Jean Renault is trying to kill uh, uh, Kyle McLaughlin. He's trying to kill Dale Cooper, and it's like he's trying to mm-hmm. get him to Canada because he had a guy pretend to be a Mountie, and it's all the same fucking episode. And it's like this sucks. Like this is like when people talk about season two being bad, they're only referencing mm-hmm. like those like that weird period of time where they didn't know what to do because uh, they solved the mystery, and they're just like, well, we got twenty two episodes, uh, and we've only done nine so mm-hmm. far, so fill it in. And then you get to the end, which is like pretty awesome. Like the end of that, oh, fuck yeah, yeah, and it's just like because I mean, oh, what a surprise! David Lynch returned to direct it, and uh, I mean, he ties up some crazy like loose ends. There's like the one character I forgot about, uh, Del Wibbler. He's like the bank manager. Because, like, there's the whole thing where uh, he, he, it's so obscure. But it's, like, when you watch it now, you're, like, yep, this is, like, the most season three stuff that you could imagine. Because this is, like, old, barely mobile man just, like, slowly making his way across, like, a bank very slowly as characters come in and he's supposed to do things. And the camera just follows him around. And, like, mm. he just walks around in the frame. And it's, like, yeah, this is, like, something David Lynch would shoot, uh, like, right now. And people are, like, isn't that broom scene weird from the new show? <laughs> like, that's what that's what he's doing. And he was doing it in 1991. I was going to say, hasn't he always done that? Like, hasn't mm. he always done weird stuff? Well, this is – but it's, like, kind of, like, almost uh, duration kind of – 
pushing. Oh, like, it's I like, see. Because the shots yeah. go for so long. Um, yeah. I liked it. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's like when people complain no, about I, I stuff Some now, like they're like, that, yeah. oh, this is, I don't like this. And it's like, well, this was what his show was always like. It's just that uh, when you watch like Fire Walk With Me, which kind of like, I have to watch that and I'll probably watch it tonight um, yeah. and do Dang. that rewatch. Uh, that will... We'll see, because it seems like he kind of like he cut out so much of the fat from that original like three and a half hour version he had, and then I've yep. talked about that already. Like, what are the special features that you watch and you go, yeah, you didn't need that in the movie, but like it builds like the season three stuff definitely builds more on Fire Walk with me as far as like most of the Tim Twin Peaks characters aren't there anymore; they're just background characters. It's all kind of not mm-hmm. it's it's all um, window dressing to like the the main thrust of like the the mythos of that Mark Frost David Lynch universe. The main thrust, huh? Yeah. Like a penis into a vagina, perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Yeah, so I have found my twin, my David Lynch uh, rewatch very rewarding, RJ. Um, I'm happy. I'm drawing a lot out of things. I'm finding things I didn't see before. Uh, It's been really good. Uh, But I also managed to watch uh, one movie of note that I'll mention. Uh, this here is a Hong Kong uh, martial arts film called Killer Constable from the sh- mm-hmm. uh, re- released by uh, Shaw Brothers in 1980, I want to say. Maybe it's 84. Uh, 83. Uh, anyway, this movie, it is it plays, it's a kung fu movie, but it's like more like a Western in its story. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody has stolen two million towels of gold from the empress and they have sent the uh constable on the edge to go retrieve it uh there's a scene like right out of seven samurai where he shows up and there's like a hostage taking and he just like Hmm. he just goes up to the top of the cliff above the house jumps down through the roof and just like kills everybody inside uh, one guy nice. escapes he chases him down cuts him down his brother's like what the hell's wrong with you that man was unarmed <laughs> and it's like yep that's that's all these movies go even even though it's like a period piece set in like mm-hmm. 1800s or something like that uh and then it's just like so the him and like a a crew of like uh top elite uh martial artists go to retrieve this two million dollars stolen and uh you just get a bunch of like really cool violent action scenes and people dying left and right like every every uh situation someone dies um mm-hmm. and it, i kept imagining like part of the disconnect for me at times of this movie was that um like i always have found like hong kong martial arts movies kind of goofy and like I can never like take their fight scenes particularly seriously because because of the way they were shot and like the costumes yeah. and stuff. Like there's stuff that like obviously has like <clears throat> goes beyond that. Like say like Iron Monkey or something like that, where like the mm-hmm. movies were just made a little bit better, a little bit more polished, and then like you can take the action seriously. But usually it's like there's always a bit of a goofiness because like they're so absurd. Like they play out like dance numbers rather than actual fights. But right. a Killer Constable, it's just like it feels like an like a spaghetti western a particularly violent spaghetti western where people are just mm-hmm. dying left and right being burnt alive um nice yeah so that's that was much appreciated it's got a wicked mm-hmm. ending that builds up and builds and it gets like once it turns into a revenge story it gets like really good highly recommended mm-hmm. uh and kind of a i think it's like only available in the UK on Blu-ray from 88 films because mm-hmm. the bummer of things is that in North America it seems the uh the world of like Hong Kong martial arts movies is nobody buys these things 
Um, they, uh, yeah. they get like companies start out putting them out, but I don't think the sales are ever really there, even though like, I know people are big mm-hmm. fans, but I think it's like a small number of people, particularly compared to like horror movies and stuff like that, where there's no shortage of people right. buying horror stuff, martial artists, it's a very small pool, which is unfortunate because like mm-hmm. when the stuff does get released here, it's either the modern stuff, which isn't as good as that like heyday seventies, eighties, uh, stuff is the stuff I've seen anyway. Um, right. and they come out sometimes edited and chopped up by Miramax who like got a bunch of like licenses on this stuff way back when and because they're not putting it out you can't watch them at all unless you go to streaming services and sometimes all you get is like a dubbed option which is garbage dubbed or stinky yeah but stinky quality stinky butt quality butt cut yeah butt cuts yeah well Hmm. Well, maybe you should start a production company and buy the rights to these Asian films and uh, release them yourself. <laughs> and go out of business to prove my point. <laughs> you well, see, yeah. you just can't make up. You just can't make money doing this. But maybe if you, maybe if you like, did it the way you like it, where it's like, you know, not bad quality. Mm-hmm. Maybe other people would buy it. Get that uh, Bay Logan guy and get the RZA all involved. Ooh, he would. He loves kung fu. Oh, I know he does. Loves kung fu. Mm-hmm. And how. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's, I think, it for creeping. Uh, RJ, you got any news for us? Nothing worth talking about. Oh, I see. No, it's, uh, everyone was on vacation this week. Yeah, between, in the States. uh, Canada Day, or, sorry, uh, Canadian Day and American Day. Yeah, nobody, yeah, no one was working, so there's no news. Yep. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yep, nothing of note. It's uh, sad. Sad? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, nothing, nothing there. Well, fuck it then. Fuck it. Let's roll. (sighs) We got a movie to talk about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, After the break, we're talking about The Night Porter from 1974, directed by Liliana Cavani. Man hat uns nicht gefragt, als wir noch kein Gesicht, ob wir leben wollten oder lieber nicht. Jetzt gehe ich allein durch eine große Stadt und ich weiß nicht, ob sie mich lieb hat. Ich schaue in die Stuben durch Tür und Fensterglas und ich warte und ich warte auf Wenn ich mir was wünschen dürfte, käme ich in Verlegenheit. Was ich mir denn wünschen sollte, eine schlimme oder gute Zeit. Wenn ich mir was wünschen dürfte, möchte ich etwas glücklich sein. Denn wenn ich gar zu glücklich wäre, hätte ich Heimweh nach dem Traurigsein. Wenn ich mir was wünschen dürfte, käme ich in Verlegenheit. Was ich mir denn wünschen sollte, eine schlimme oder gute Zeit. Wenn ich mir was wünschen dürfte, möchte ich etwas glücklich sein. Denn wenn ich gar zu glücklich wäre, hätte ich ein 
Weh nach dem traurig sein. Liebe ich zu leben. Ich kann nur sagen, ich liebe zu gefallen, wenn auch nicht immer liebe ich zu lieben. Ich weiß nicht was, ich will und dort erwarte viel. Wenn ich mir was wünschen dürfte, käme ich in Verlegenheit. Was ich mir denn wünschen sollte, eine schlimme oder gute Zeit. Wenn ich mir was wünschen dürfte. And we're back. And tonight, we're talking about The Night Porter from 1974, directed by Liliana Cavani. From Letterbox Synopsis, the most controversial picture of our time. In this unsettling drama from Italian filmmaker Liliana Cavani, a concentration camp survivor discovers her former torturer and lover working as a porter at a hotel in post-war Vienna. When the couple attempt to recreate their sadomasochistic relationship, his former SS comrades begin to stalk them. Operatic and disturbing, the night porter deftly examines the lasting social and psychological effects of the Nazi regime. So... First of all, this is a movie that I rented on videotape way back in the day because um, I'd seen that this movie called The Night Porter with this really striking like DVD cover existed, mm-hmm. and it's just like got this like this naked broad with like Nazi hat tits out and like this big swastika mm-hmm. in the background. It's like the original cover is like it's pretty striking, um, and then but you know back then I couldn't afford buying like a criterion dvd but they had a copy of this fucking movie on vhs at like video gallery in their like mm-hmm. drama section and i was like whoa and it's like it, it, the vhs this thing even look, looks even grimier <laughs> like it's like oh what the hell is this Ooh, this feels like bad oh nazis that's really bad mm-hmm. um so i watched this movie ages ago and i remember at one point watching this movie and thinking like oh this movie's awesome i fucking love this movie it's just like weird and seedy and like stuff i'd never seen before um and like i like i would when people like i'd write lists of like my favorite movies or whatever my favorite criterions i'd have the night porter on there and this was like back in 2002 or something like that um Mm -hmm. and then i remember like I think I've got the DVD sometime like after that, like a few years later, maybe I found it on sale somewhere, uh, going up to the counter with this picture, uh, this movie of, uh, mm-hmm. Charlotte Rampling looking like a sexy Nazi girl. And, um, I remember like watching the DVD and being kind of like, Oh, this movie is not as cool as I remember it being. I remember it's kind of long. <laughs> it's like, Oh, it's like really gray and kind of looks like crappy. Um, and then, so like, I haven't watched this movie for a very long time. 
So this uh, was watch number three. And I, again, I hadn't watched this probably in like 10 or 11 years. Uh, first of all, uh, there's always that great joy of watching your old Criterion DVDs and finding out that they are non-anamorphic, which means that you're going to watch mm-hmm. a crummy old grainy postage stamp on your big television. Uh, that's great. And uh, overall, my impression of this movie now is that this movie is really, really long at two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking that this movie was going to be 90 minutes. And then, like, when I kind of checked what time it was and realized, oh, it's been 90 minutes, but there's still a half hour to go. I was just like, yep. fuck. Um, so in my opinion, I feel like this movie has not aged well um, at all. I don't mm-hmm. know if it necessarily was ever all that good in the first place. It's kind of hard to <laughs> say. Um, right. Yeah. I don't know. There's something. I don't know. I don't even know what to, how to put it. Come on. There's something like just lacking in this movie. Like it just. Mm-hmm. It's just characters doing stuff. Um, I mean, the it helped kind of spawn the whole like exploitation genre of Nazi exploitation where you have sure. where you have titles like Ilsa, She Wolf of the SS, uh Gestapo's Last Orgy, Love Camp Seven, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and this those movies are all like kind of like exciting and trashy because they're like B movies that just go for broke and try to like go for shocks. Whereas this movie is also it's trying to be like a respectable drama uh mm-hmm. and like tell the story, but boy does it take its time to like get there. Um, it kind of reminds me because there's another like I wouldn't call it a Nazi exploitation movie, but it's very much in the same realm. It's called In a Glass Cage, and this is a movie that seems like it has more of a like positive reception than this movie does. But I'd say it's yeah. very similar. Like it's about a God. It's like in Argentina, and there's like an old Nazi living in a like in a iron lung, and this mm-hmm. boy like starts like hanging out with them and like there's sort of like the sadomasochistic relationship where he turns the like oxygen off to fuck with them and it's just like mm-hmm. the same old like type of deal uh i guess it all depends on what your mileage is when it comes to nazis and like war crimes and what people do and like human psychology and stuff like that uh i don't know if this movie here does any of that particularly well um Honestly, this movie was kind of a bummer. Uh, coming back to it, uh, I don't know. I, I have a feeling, RJ. I know what you think of this movie. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, Why? I, I I can't imagine you liking this movie one bit at all. Um, but well, that's maybe presumptuous. RJ, what did you think of the Night Porter? Uh, I have a one-word review for this movie. Yep. C- cinema. <laughs> C- cinema baby um yeah i don't like this movie no uh and like i mean i think you expected me not to like it but i will give it a, a little bit of credit where credit's due uh i did like that it, i felt it had a very um quiet storytelling like yeah, sure where it, it kind of it lets the audience figure out what's going on, like mm-hmm. they don't yep. guide your hand too much. Yep, the flashback editing, telling yeah. the back, the, telling the background story, and it's done so, very uh, lightly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was good. I thought it had sharp editing, and it was uh, it uh, kind of let you discover it. But then there were scenes where they just throw so much exposition at you, and you're just like, why is this here? 
Oh man! Why all do those, they have those, to explain this? The the meetings, the meetings yeah. with the the oh. meeting. It's like it's like you know that you did this thing to this person at this time, and it's like yeah, I know, I know that, you know that. Why are you even talking about it? Mm. Other than to explain to the audience. Um, but, so no, but it's like yeah, it's at odds with the way the rest of the movie's being made. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I felt like. Like that was one of the biggest things for me. I was like, this movie's really inconsistent because I feel like she, like the director, is trying to tell the story in mm-hmm. a way she wants to, yeah. but then the dialogue in in the script are like contradicting it because like they they explain what's happening to you when you're like you already just went through like a big long quiet scene without like any words at all. And you, you figure it out for yourself. You're like, okay, I get it. And then they tell you what it is. It's like, just in case you didn't get it. But so like, there's stuff like that that I don't like. Um, I thought this movie looked really bad. I thought it was made for TV. Um, not like, like I thought she shot it well and she has like good direction. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the actual film or like the cameras are dumpy. And like, I don't really hold that against it because it's like they can't really control like the quality of the film they have. But when I watched it, it was like really grainy. And I was like, this looks like an old TV show. That, so, okay, there's something kind of to that because, yeah, uh, European. I'm not sure what it is. Sometimes like European film stock can look like that. And like, I was watching yeah. a really shitty looking DVD. Like it doesn't yeah. look good. Like this movie is on Blu-ray. It did get re-released. Uh, surprisingly, I guess mm-hmm. like, I'm not sure what the sales are on things like the night Porter these days, sure. but um, yeah, like it, I didn't, I found that it looked murky. It was more yep. so than the actual look. And I don't know if it ever looked like TV. It looked like a European movie. Like, uh, like I talked about last Halloween when I was like on my Jess Franco kick, a lot mm-hmm. of his stuff looks exactly like this, but I'd yep. say that, uh, his movies arguably look better right. <laughs> in some weird way, but they, but it's very similar, uh, film stock. And I've been, I'm with, yep. with all the Jess Franco stuff I've watched, a lot of it's been like Blu-ray and even like that makes such a big difference. Um, mm-hmm. cause I imagine that you watched, uh, this kind of through your usual means and I don't know what, mm-hmm. like quality that would have been necessarily i mean you, you might have wound up watching like a rip of this bad dvd <laughs> it uh i think that's probably what it was but uh, no yeah like that's i i don't hold i don't hold stuff like sure. that against movies because it's like i i get it like sometimes you you can't afford like the most expensive film like i i wouldn't hold that against them it was just i just thought i would mention it i was okay. when it started i was like i feel like this is like a tv movie hmm. but then i knew that it was a gross rape movie or something so i was like <sighs> but i i'm pretty sure it wasn't made for tv so here's some actual notes i had um monocles huh oh my god yeah my my second <laughs> note monocle man so mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. what better way to signal like when you're trying to like hide the fact that you're a nazi um <laughs> in post-war uh europe i don't know yep. if the monocle is the way to go about it my friend like because mm-hmm. all i think of when i see monocle is like baron von strucker um yeah, exactly. colonel clink like it's like that is the that's as nazi as it gets <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. The the moment you see him and he's like, "Air air bell boy," you're just like, "Oh god." Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I said monocles, huh? And then I put thongs, huh? Oh, that that dance number, huh? <laughs> the dance, yeah. Uh, that dance number. And then I said pale skin, huh? That is one pale there's, boy. There's so much. Not even just him. Speaking Everyone of, in this movie spe- is so pale. Speaking of glutes. Oh yeah, he's got yeah he's got some beefy glutes. Yeah, beefy yeah. buns. Yeah. He's got that some dancer beefy body. Buns. 
And then that led me to my next uh, revelation, where uh, as I was making fun of myself for the Planet of the Apes movies, uh, my hot insight from this 50-year-old movie, which I have no idea how old this movie is. 74. Okay, so this 50-year-old movie, my hot insight is that uh, Nazis love performance art because that's all this movie is, is like a bunch of like old Nazis sitting in a room watching either a man dance in a thong or <laughs> women sing and dance nakedly. And like it shows it so much, but it's not even just this movie. Like I feel like I've seen that in other movies too. Like, <laughs> is that just a Nazi thing? They just loved like Shia LaBeouf would be like the, the hottest rage if the Nazis ever came back. I don't know if they liked performance art, but they definitely liked a particular, they liked uh performance. They liked, uh, like the stage. I mean, there's that whole the movie Cabaret, for instance, which is ah, <laughs> neat callback. We never covered that movie, but nope. maybe one day we will. Liza Minnelli. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, there's like, I mean, that's the sort of fuck this idea of like Nazis in theaters and stuff like that. I mean, that's in like Inglorious Bastards too. Yep. Going to the yeah, movies. Yeah, I know. So I guess I guess that is something they just love performance. I guess so. Um, uh, yeah. So I don't I don't have much else to say. I think, well, like that. I don't think it's that bad. Like it's kind of gross, and I think it's gross. But I understand other people might not think it's gross. Like the the scenes where it shows what was he was doing to like torment her and stuff mm-hmm. they're well done like that one scene looks really good when like all the uh, other people are like hur- hurtled in the back mm-hmm. like just watching other people being raped yeah it looks good but at the same time <laughs> it's like gross well like, you know what like, i mean yeah i mean but it's like it's shot well is what i mean to mm-hmm. say Okay. It doesn't look good. Yeah. That looks good. So uh, my note here uh, when you were talking about the dancing was, uh, so while watching the movie, I got sidelined reading a story about how St. Louis is basically passing a law to reduce the minimum wage. So people who started making $10 an hour recently uh, will lose out on money again in a month. And then a man with a spotlight on him running around in a room started happening. That, mm-hmm. that That's kind of like a play-by-play of my viewing experience, kind of where I started like, drifting to my laptop when I'm supposed to be just taking notes and then I'm like, Oh, what's happening in the world? And I'm like, Oh, now I'm outraged about something that's really happening rather than like a movie about fictitious characters that were involved yep. with something that really horrible that, that happened. So it's just like this thing where I'm like, Oh, here we go. And then I wrote Dem Glutes. Oh, Dem Glutes. Yeah. He had some beefy buns. Yeah. That's for sure. And then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, goddamn degenerate Nazis. They're just, uh, that's what they do. Yeah. They degenerate. They, they do bad yeah. things. Yeah. Bad, bad people doing bad things. And it's like, sometimes, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm kind of a weirdo for these things. Like sometimes I really like movies like that, that are like, just kind of like, gloomy and it's like man people really suck and the world's depressing and people do bad stuff like sometimes i really like those movies did you like the road uh yeah i do i do like the road so see that's like i like the road um i like the pianist Mm. which i watched for the first time a year ago i feel like that's a dark depressing movie about that's a different type of thing though because i don't really know if sexuality plays any role in that movie. oh okay yeah like there's like there's like that line of like ickiness i guess okay yeah well actually so maybe maybe that's what it is like uh i do like like 
those dark, depressing movies with like horrors of human humanity. But I don't really like the sexual violence stuff. You can call me a I square. I don't think you're so. I just I, or but I a don't, vanilla. But I mean, you're not supposed to like that stuff though either. I know. But I like, know. I guess it's like that line of like. But you're not like a rare creature. Like, there's a lot of people don't like that in their fiction or like in mm-hmm. the stuff they watch because it sort of like draws attention to itself where it dominates everything. It's kind of like what happened with the like. Uh, like the conversation with like Alan Moore comics where like yeah. a lot of his comics it's like oh and then there's the woman gets raped bit like there's a rape in every like Alan Moore comic and it's kind of like well that's weird because you can read like a lot of different authors who don't talk about it at all but he brings it up an awful lot and it's all not like time. he's presenting a pro-rape agenda he's just kind of like mm-hmm. using it almost though as like kind of like a lazy trope arguably I don't know yeah uh, and but they're always like things that like they're they leave their mark they make you go oh that scene so that's uh, I think I've talked about it before, but it's it's a lot like what I was mentioning earlier with like uh, when you kill the dog, like animal violence. I feel mm. like animal violence and like sexual violence are really like they're like really cheap ways to make people feel bad. And it's like I know that stuff happens in real life. Like I get it. And it and it is sad and people should like you should know about it and like sometimes have to see it just so that like you know how bad it is. But I feel like on a, a lot of the time when people when people present those like those ideas or those themes and they're trying to make a point like 80% of the time they do it in a sleazy way where they're like not actually trying to make you feel about it. They're just like, what's a cheap, like what's an easy way we can like make people feel bad. It's like, let's do this. Yeah. Girl gets raped and then her dog gets shot. <laughs> Ooh, mom, mom, mom. Edgy. Yeah, um, but well, like those movies, those, those movies yeah. are gonna like. There's an audience for that stuff, but it's like not like a mainstream audience. Yeah. It's just it's like kind of like yeah. Yeah, who's this for? Like, other than like I just want the world to know what the what it's really like. And yeah, uh, there's a good way to do that. And there's like because I mean there's like movies like Irreversible or something like that where. Mm. That's like the linchpin of the movie is like this, like, well, it's two like extremely violent moments. One of like a man's head being just destroyed with a fire extinguisher. And that's mm-hmm. followed up by a woman being violently uh, raped uh, in a tunnel. And it's like one prolonged shot. Like there's like nothing in Night Porter that's even remotely on the same level as like something like Irreversible. Like I'd say like right. Night Porter is actually fairly light in that territory. Like it's not even mm-hmm. like that edgy. Like it's right. it's because I mean I'd say at the same time also I mean we haven't brought this up but Liliana Cavani uh, female director like she's going to bring like, a different touch to this movie um, as far as like well, how she's going to depict it because all those Nazi exploitation movies I mentioned those are all mm-hmm. directed by dudes yeah <laughs> and yeah, uh, so, and, and sure. those movie and those movies are like full like Ilsa Shewolf of the SS that movie's like way tougher to get through at times like there's some pretty degenerate shit in that movie. Um, <laughs> You can borrow it anytime you want. Um, no, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm okay. Thank, thank you for offering, though. Yeah, you're welcome. But uh, no, yeah. So, like, I guess, like, if I had to say, just just for me to talk about this movie, I don't think it's bad. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I was saying, like, I think she does a really good job directing, like the way she tries to tell the story. Yeah. But but then there's like things, like I was saying, like the, the clunky, yeah, the clunkiness of the dialogue and then like the story itself is kind of off putting for me. Mm-hmm. But like, that's, that's just, that's cause I don't like that stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's like what you were saying. I know, I know people do. I don't. So it's not really for me, but I'm sure, I'm sure some people love this movie and cool, man. Yeah. Cool. No, I, I think that yeah. like, 
Yeah, the way you said that though, that kind of like says makes me think of like when I first watched this. I think what draw drew me to it was the way it was directed because I actually think it is like, despite the faults of like the situations that are you have to film, yep. it's like really it's well made and well told, but it's it just is. like not a it's a slog. <laughs> like it's it's. it's a- yeah. It's a slog and it, be- it becomes uninteresting too. Yeah. Like when, when she's like chained up in his house and they're just like waiting it out, you're just like, okay, this is about half an hour. That could be 10 minutes because there there's things that like don't even make sense. It's like, why are they just like waiting outside? Like eventually they do storm in to like try to do stuff. But it's like, like I don't understand like why certain things are happening right. in the story. And maybe it was, maybe I wasn't paying attention uh, other than enough, to get but... things, Other than to make things worse kind of thing. Yeah. Like, look at them. They're starving to death in their house. They're rationing. Isn't yeah. this fucked up? And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I kept thinking like, actually, uh, when we started recording, I started thinking, I'm like, oh, it's kind of like Dead Ringers. Like that, that but, A bit. but it's, it's just this idea of like people kind of like, cutting themselves off and like kind of letting their lives fall apart and their bodies are falling apart and they're just like I, lock themselves up in yeah. a room and it's a it's like similar but i mean you want to see a case of a movie that's like excellent and really well made um watch dead ringers you, uh for the flip you, side <laughs> you know what too a really good point about that is in dead ringers when they're locked up that's all self-inflicted like they're doing mm-hmm. it to themselves but you still like you sympathize for them, you feel really bad for them. Where in this one, like you sh- you should feel bad for them because like they can't leave because they'll die. But when you watch it, you're like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. You're like, I don't feel bad for these people at all. Like they're shitty people. Like maybe not her because like she's been like hypnotized by Stockholm syndrome or whatever. Whatever, yeah. Like I think that's is that like that's kind of what they're getting at. But uh, yeah, like you don't feel bad for the guy. It's like the whole first half of this movie was explaining how he was like this gross rapist at a concentration camp. Pretending to be a doctor as a Nazi Nazi filmographer. Yeah. So it's like, why, why, why should you feel bad for him? And I guess maybe that's the point, but it's like, it's like I was saying, like when they do things at the end there, it's like, I don't, it's like, I don't understand why if this secret Nazi like tribunal that like have meetings and like this cabal. Yeah. This cabal that like, uh, works so hard to conceal their identity. Like if they really wanted to go in there to kill those people, they would. So like, why is there this buildup other than like what you were saying? It's like, it's like, Ooh man, isn't it edgy that they're starving to death? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just like what happened in concentration camps. And you're just like, whatever. <laughs> like, shut up. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's just something lacking in the telling of it. Like it just, yeah. I don't know. Like, again, this is like not even fair to compare, but like, you know, we watched, planet of the apes and there came a point where i'm like oh i gotta head out and then it's like oh oh, hey what time are we at because i want to know what time i have to jump back into this movie when i get home and it was like holy shit we've been watching this movie for like an hour and 15 minutes like it feels Mm -hmm. like it's like been like 45 minutes and it's like that's like sort of like um a a measure of pleasure that one can have from watching something where you're like time just blows by and you're unaware of the passage of time and i've always find that like the best movies the movies i always go back to are the movies where mm-hmm. I, i'm not aware of it and there's like it seems like there are movies though that like i'm aware of their passage of time but i still don't regret mm-hmm. watching it and i would watch again but i right. know that they're not as good as those movies i really really like mm-hmm. if that makes I, sense 
that does make sense. I think I'm pro- I'm going to propose a new segment here. Mm. Uh, we're, it'll be a timestamp segment because we do talk oh. about this a lot. When do you timestamp the movie where it's like, oh, when have you man. actually looked it up? So because we do talk about it a lot and I think it is a good measure of a good movie. Like for the for Conquest of Planet of the Apes, I didn't even look at it. Other than, like, I think it was 10 minutes was left, and I looked to see how much was left because I was like, ooh, man, I hope there's a lot of this movie left because I fucking love it. This movie, The Night Porter, I uh, I wrote it down. I first checked the clock at 22 minutes because I think yeah. that was when the first gross scene came up, and I was just like, all right, how long is this fucking movie? And I looked at it there. So for me, I looked at my timestamp was 22 minutes, and I think you said yours was uh, an hour. Um, or you? That's it wasn't, you like. No, it was like I wasn't thinking about it. But then when I hit the hour, and, I hit it at an hour and a half, being like, okay, how much? How many minutes are left in the movie? And I realized, oh shit, there's still like a half hour. And like I was like, oh, because like I, it felt like the movie should be ending there, but then there was still like thirty minutes just tacked onto the end. Exactly. So, so I I think if if people out there listening think the timestamp segment is worth worth the while, we can add it. Okay. And it's not that, like that, it's not like the, it's gonna take that, an hour. That, that, that's that's the new uh, star rating. That's the new star rating is uh, the timestamp. If it's oh, anything wow. below like fifty percent of the movie, then it's it's probably not our favorite. So anything past fifty percent of the actual runtime might be a, a thumbs up. Okay, uh, we'll we'll try it. I don't we'll know. I, f- I, feel, I feel like that's like a dangerous thing. No, I mean you, like you know other what's than like, happen, mm. we're gonna do it next week and then we'll forget about it. And oh, if no, I we... do it next week, I'll just be like, I mean, when we're talking about the movie, I'll be like, I checked the clock at 30 minutes. And you'll be like, mm-hmm. yeah, me too. Yeah. And then, and then done. And then it'll never come up again. Okay. So, okay. It's, anyways. We'll, we'll try it. Hey, I just, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. I got, I got a hot take for you. Oh, fuck. And this is that it, while watching this, it kind of hits me how this movie is sort of the anti-summertime. Whoa. Yeah, that's gross. Yeah, because it's like because you're in a foreign country and you have like this like woman traveling through like a exotic location and the, it's like this relationship that like should not matter and it's like I I mean I don't know I do I would probably watch Summertime again before I'd watch The Night Porter. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean for well, me, yeah, Summertime's that, a good fucking movie. Well, I know you liked it. I I was pretty indifferent to it, but I found like yeah. Night Porter and Summertime. It's like they're kind of they they, they have like they're very similar in that they're completely the opposite in, of one yeah. another. But they're both like they just lack something that I am interested in when I watch movies. I, I guess. I know. I know you think that, mm-hmm. but uh, it's like I think I. It keeps coming up, man. Dave, David Summertime Lean. Yeah. He keeps popping up on this fucking show. And uh, I, I do believe that one day you're going to go back and your your opinion is going to change on that movie. Um, and I, yeah. I didn't even like I don't I I'm not trying to be the champion of summertime e- either. Like, I don't think I liked it that much, but mm-hmm. I, I still thought it was good. So I think one day you'll go back and you'll be like, you know what? Summertime is pretty legit to quit. Brah, brah. But uh, hey, RJ, guess what? Yes. Other people hate this movie. Oh no! Uh-oh. Uh, actually, that's yeah. I I I totally believe that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe. Well, maybe. Okay, I'll ask it after we go through these comments here from okay. uh, a guy who uses like letters to represent the face of a cat. Uh, he gave this mm-hmm. half a star. Exploitative and dull. 
weak narrative intersped with nauseating attempts at eroticism. This is not BDSM. It romanticizes abuse and objectifies Holocaust victims as the backdrop. Mostly, I have no idea what this film was trying to say. Perhaps I got the visceral reaction the director wanted, but either she lacked the skill to impart any sort of redeeming message, or I just didn't pick up on it. At any rate, I don't think it's aged well. Hmm. He kind of said what you said. Yeah, I think so. To, to a point. To a point. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's actually a fairly articulate, succinct way of saying it. Yep. Now, I don't know if I give this a half star. I, 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 I don't think yeah. it's like in that ballpark. But uh, you know who also commented? Goremaster. Uh, no! Goremaster's back. Uh, oh he, he, he gave this movie one star. Nice. Good plot, but the movie is too damn dreary. <laughs> Man, the gore master fucking knows what's up, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. He, he gets it, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really gets it. And then uh, the movie vampire, uh, who is a fellow I follow, I enjoy his uh, reviews. He writes actually quite lengthy ones these days. Back in mm-hmm. 2012, he wrote of uh, this one and a half star. I've always found the cover of the Criterion DVD of this movie to be rather striking and provocative, given that I thought the movie could be salacious. That's a $5 word right there, or that it could be offensive. But the last thing I thought it would be was boring. And yet that's exactly what it was. This is a slow, plodding, and poorly acted affair. Really doesn't have all that much to say about either the Holocaust or sadomasochism. The scene that the cover comes from remains provocative and iconic for better or worse. The rest was a chore to sit through. I, I would really like to know what Goremasters actually wait. I answered my own question where he's like, this has nothing to do with sadomasochism. It's like, so what does, but I guess he's a big fan of Hellraiser. So mm, well, no, your... well, Goremaster didn't say anything about that. He, he just thought the movie was too damn dreary. Oh, well, there's not enough gore, I guess. Uh, well, that goes without say, I mean, maybe he's, maybe... he's the master. He would know. Maybe if uh, at the Holocaust uh, camp, maybe, or at the concentration camp, maybe if a lot of the people, more of the people had sores, that would have been more appealing to him. Mm-hmm. Just like open sores yeah. everywhere. And maybe some werewolves of the SS or something. I don't know. Ooh. Uh, so, so RJ, how, how does the Night Porter stack up with something like Salo? Um, it's not as gross as Salo. Mm-hmm. Nothing is as gross as Salo. Uh, I don't know, man. Neither of them are movies that I like, and mm-hmm. I I think that's very obvious. Mm-hmm. If a- anyone who's listened to a single episode that knows my taste, yeah, which is like goofy alien eighties movies with Mel Gibson, with me- or with Mel Gibson, yeah, I think, um, yeah, they they know that this isn't my brand of stew. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's like signs. And then there's the Night Porter. The and, Night Porter. And Salo. And Salo. Yeah, so I, I, I lean heavily to uh, the opposite end of that spectrum. I'm on the spectrum, Jarrett, <laughs> but, on the, uh, but on the other end. Uh, life on the spectrum. Life uh, on the spectrum. Yeah, I don't know. It's just... The movie, it's, I feel like it just hasn't aged well for me. Um, I think like having watched a lot of movies that like are also like exploitative and like kind of thoughtful as well, like they've walked that fine line. Um, I don't know. I just, I would rather watch those for the most part. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I was going to say like, I, I was honestly, I'm trying to be fair to these movies and be like have an, an actual critical 
thought about like what's going on and mm. so like that's what i was saying with this one is like i think there are good parts to it it's just um and it's not even just that the content or the story i don't like i just feel like it kind of fizzles out and it doesn't do anything so yep whereas with some of the with the Savo movie is just gross and I don't. That's a story for another day. That you can listen. To, well, people can listen to Go that back episode because I feel like I made a pretty good argument that it wasn't just gross. You made a pretty good argument that you're gross. <laughs> so, and this movie is just kind of a slog, a boring, dreary slog of a thing that yep. I don't know. It's it's definitely a. I think it's kind of a dud at the end of the day. I'm sad to say. Yep. Uh, Not much to it. Nope, other than that cool cover, and it's provocative. It's salacious, if you will. Ooh. Uh, Yeah, well, I think that's it. Oh, yeah, that's definitely it. Uh, There's nothing more that could be said about this movie. After the break, uh, we're going to walk down a bridge and get gunned down. Ooh. See, that's, that's a theme that people can pick up on. That's one, true. One, one of us dies now all the time. Yeah. I actually forgot that that's how this movie ended. That's how little it impacted me. I literally forgot. <laughs> Watching the Night Porter has it uh, made you want to take up dance and to work on your own glutes? I always work on my glutes, you motherfucker. You know that. Mm-hmm. I've never needed visual uh, motivation to get me going. Can we talk about how uh, Andrea has been sending you uh, photos <laughs> of her us buying photos of your uh, plum butt? Hey, hey, hey! It's not a plum butt, and this is a. This shouldn't be at the end of an episode. This should be the very start of an episode. This should be the rise at the top. This should be, yeah, the way to break in uh, the group. So, uh, you know, but we'll tease it a little bit. Yeah, Andrew has been taking secret photos of me. What are they of? Maybe a butt. What kind of butt? You'll find out maybe next week. (laughs) With some hot toilet talk to follow also. Because I forgot to mention some of that this time. Jesus. Uh, you can email us about your glutes at criteriancreeps at gmail.com. We get lonely over here. Uh, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram and I am active as all hell with all this David Lynch. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Uh, we're on Letterboxd. If you can't wait to see what we're talking about next, I'm Jarrett Duncan and he's Barnloaf. 
Uh, as for the podcast, we're on SoundCloud. Uh, we're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. All your podcasting platforms we should be available on. And if you're listening uh, and you haven't already, please review us and rate us and all that good stuff if you like what you're hearing. Uh, I imagine if you're listening at this point, uh, you should. Uh, and that would be very appreciated. It'll help us climb up those ranks of other Criterion podcasts that probably like only like like 100 people listen to. Yep. But we want to be top dogs. I think we've earned it. I well, we are top dogs. Yeah, we should be find we... number one in your podcast hearts when it comes to Criterion right. Collection podcasts. Next week, RJ, spine number 60. It doesn't seem like it has been that long, but it really has been a while since we watched The Seventh Seal. And here oh, we are sh- with our next Ingmar Bergman movie, Autumn Sonata from 1978. Yeah. Huh. A, la- a, a later period uh, Bergman one, and this is a movie I've never seen. I don't really know anything about, but uh, my track record with Mr. Bergman is pretty good. Pretty good. So I'm kind of excited to watch this one blind uh, in the next few days here. And next week we'll talk about this movie and see how it is. It's the it's the one and only time that Ingmar Bergman teamed up with uh, Ingrid Bergman. Of uh, Wait, wait a minute. Those are different people? <laughs> yes. One's a man and one is a woman. Hey, hey, don't fucking label. Don't assume gen- anybody's gender, Don't assume gender, anyone's bro. genders. That's not right. Yeah, I see what happens on Twitter now when that happens. Yeah, you'll get bullied. For real. <laughs> bullied hard. Uh, yeah. That's it, I think. Good night, mm-hmm. folks. Good night. Night. Uh, Porter. Uh, I'm Porter. leaving. Yep. The show. Good riddance. Forever. Good riddance. You and your ass crack. Hey, people love that crack. Bye.